You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. Amen. Well, uh, this morning I want to talk to you about spectating, woo, spectating, and participating. Spectating or participating. Now, uh, I was putting this sermon together. There's Abby. I was putting this sermon together and I said, uh, Abby, I'm really excited for this sermon. I've never preached it before. Turn in your Bible, please, to Mark chapter 2. Turn in your Bible to Mark chapter 2. I'm really excited about the sermon. I've never preached it before. And I said, the title is Spectators and Participators. I said, it sounds really good. And she said, babe, I love you. You're the best. And I was like, I know. She was like, babe, you're so cute. Uh, Participators is not a word. And I was crushed. I was like, no. No, I've got to throw out the whole sermon and make another sermon. Spectators and participators. So I had to change it. Spectating and participating. Change it to that. But, you know, I was so encouraged that, uh, man, I would really en- encourage others to. Uh, all of our sermons are on YouTube, uh, on, on, so you can watch them. Our sermons are on, on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts on many, many different podcast platforms, I want to encourage you to listen to Wednesday night, an all-in believer from Atreyu. Listen to that. And then I want you to listen to Sunday School from this morning called Real Discipleship. I want you to listen to that. And then because they will all come together, really, I'm not tying them together into one. I'm just saying they're building on top of each other. And it's really the same thing. Spectating, in participating. It's, it's, I don't want to say that it's the same three sermons again, because maybe that's a little redundant. But man, did, did God speak to my heart about this, this thought that I have here. And I want you to talk to Atreyu and say, did God speak to your heart about being an all-in believer and being a real disciple? I promise you he'll say yes. You go ahead. Yes. Yep. Said yes. So I want to talk this morning about spectating and participating. In Mark chapter 2, verse 13. Mark chapter 2, verse 13. The Bible says, And he went forth, that's Jesus, He went forth again by the seaside, and all the multitude restored unto him, and he taught them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the receipt of custom. He said unto him, Follow me. And he arose and followed him. I want to stop there. You know, uh, my sister played church softball. It was a a co-ed league. Uh, And my sister was not, um, she was more into, she was very good academically, but she would say that she was kind of klutzy when it came to sports. And I was more of the sports person and she Uh, Her academics were very good. One time, she was crying in her room because she got a B. And I was like, man, I party when I get a B, you know. But anyway. And I remember watching her play church softball. It's co-ed league, slow pitch. And man, did I want to play, but I was too young. Because it was an adult league, 
Uh, you had to be 16 years old or above. And uh, man, I was jealous. I was excited. One day, uh, my dad got a phone call, and it was the coach, and he said, hey, Ken, can you play church softball tonight? We don't have enough players. And dad said, uh, no, I can't, but maybe my son can. I said, Ryan can. And the coach said, um, Heath Chambers, because <laughs> I know somebody knows that name. And the coach said, uh, yeah, Ryan's too young. How old is he? And I was 15, so uh, Ryan's too young. Uh, let me make some other phone calls. And about five to ten minutes later, the coach called and said, well, looks like Ryan's my only choice. So uh, I go to, the, I go to the, the diamond. I'm so pumped. It's like I'm playing in the big leagues because uh, I've watched. I've watched this game for so long, and I've played fast pitch softball, but I've never played slow pitch before, and I've never played in an adult league, um, and man, am I excited. So I come, and literally the coach took me and said, now, Ryan, I just, just be normal, Okay. Just be normal. Just don't do anything that a 15-year-old would do. <laughs> Just be normal for like the next two hours, and then you can be yourself later. I said, okay. So, man, I was so excited to play, and like I said, I'm, I'm trying to communicate with you that, man, was I super excited, and, and I was like, I've made it. I've made it. And uh, something that is, is not as important but I hit my first home run that night. I was a 15-year-old, never hit a home run before, and I, I was thinking, like, I want to play next year. I want to play next year. And I hit it as hard as I could, and I grunted like a tennis player. Hoo-yah! You know, get a grunt, and, uh, and the ball went over the fence. And boy, did the crowd cheer, and people said, hey, we need you to play next year. And I said, that's exactly what I want. I want to play next year. You know, we can all relate to moments in our lives. And I want, uh, go ahead and start thinking right now. Think, start thinking. We can all relate to moments in our lives. When we were a part of the crowd, we were observers and watchers. But there was a single moment where God or your dad or mom or a coach, or somebody called you out of the crowd and you became a participator. That's participating participant. There it is. You became a participant. We are no longer observers of life, observers of our future spouse. That was when I thought of. It does not have to be sports. Um, and I was careful. I'm like, uh, I don't want to talk about sports too much in this sermon because I really like sports. And, uh, but one day we were observers of our spouses or of our future spouses. Look at that cutie. Look at that person. Man, does he treat his family right? Man, does she, is she just the most beautiful creature I've ever seen in my life? And so on and so forth. Observers. And then, and then I remember asking Abby, hey, can I text you every now and then? And she said, yeah, that's fine. And I have never left her alone ever since. That was like four years ago, uh, maybe five. Uh, and there was a time where we were once observers and we stepped out on the field and became uh, participators. Participants. Here it is. <laughs> I should write that down. Participants. Why'd you have to correct me, babe? Today I want to speak a little on this man named Levi and his calling. 
Because when we read in Mark chapter 2, 13, and 14, it seems kind of random and kind of off to me. I mean, we, we read this. So Jesus was walking on a seashore. And he sees someone and says, follow me. Two words. No description. Follow you where? Where are we going? How long will we be there? And, you know, you can kind of put yourself in Levi's shoes a little bit. And then I was, why him? So he sees Levi at, at a tax collecting booth. Says, follow me. Why him? Why wasn't someone else? And a lot of times in the Gospel of Mark, uh, Mark is very concise. And you don't really go to Mark uh, to see detail. Because <laughs> even in the book of Mark, in verse 1, it starts with Jesus as an adult. He's not even a baby. He's an adult in, uh, when Mark begins in chapter 1. But um, you, you don't really go to Mark for details, so it just seems weird to me that, once again, Jesus was walking on a beach and says, follow me. Why him? What? Like, are we missing something here? You know what else feels random? That Levi stood up and followed him. That also seems random. It's like, is, is Jesus a, a stranger to you? Because if he is, that's really weird. Like, well, I don't really get it. I don't really get, you know, the, the idea of, hey, follow me. And then Levi stands up and follows him. It, it, just, it just doesn't make sense. Uh, with no detail given. So, uh, very quickly, to understand the story and the calling of Levi... You need to understand crowd dynamics and Jesus' relationship to a crowd. Now, I'm getting somewhere with this. Just trust me. To understand why... So, again, this doesn't make any sense. So, I want to help you make it make sense. You want to understand the crowd dynamics and Jesus' relationship to a crowd. The Bible uses the word multitude, people, and crowd... About 160 times. 160 times, people, multitude, and crowd. Out of those times, greater than 90%, Jesus is the one that is involved. Jesus is the one that is involved in said crowd or said multitude or speaking to people. So I want you to remember this. Remember this, that Jesus constantly had a mass following, especially as an adult. But Jesus always had a following, a crowd, a multitude of people. Somebody was always around him. So, uh, number one, people wanted to be around Jesus. People wanted to be around Jesus. For many reasons. For many reasons. When people encountered Jesus, it would go in a certain way. Now, I want you to start thinking, because somebody, if you want to, you can audibly answer why did people follow Jesus? What were they trying to get out of him? Okay? I want you to start thinking of that. What were they trying to get out of Jesus for following him? And then, and then I'll speak. Uh, some would claim that he is the Messiah. Some would claim some of his followers, he is in fact the Messiah, the exact Messiah that we've been waiting for. Some would claim that he is nothing but a blasphemer. Somebody that is totally against God. And many people followed him, Jesus, to get things out of him. Now, does anybody, 
go ahead. Does anybody want to answer? Uh, Brother Chad, I don't want to pick on you. What, what was a reason why people would follow Jesus to get something out of him? Miracles. I'm, I need healing. I, I, and I have, I have that written down um, to get healing. I believe that some that were healed, some were saved, and some were not. Uh, remember the story that there were, uh, I think it was ten lepers, and they said, Jesus, help heal us. And Jesus says, go over to, uh, go over to a, a, a water and dunk yourself in the water, and then when you come up, you'll be healed. And these ten guys go over to the water, they dunk themselves in the water, all ten of them are healed. One of them comes back to Jesus and says, thank you. And he bows down before him. Jesus says, was there not nine, was there not nine others? And then he looks at him and he says, your faith has made you whole. At that moment, that one person got saved. He knew Christ as his Savior. He knew Christ as the Messiah, not just a miracle healer. Was there any other reasons why people would follow Jesus. Yeah, Ron? Right. The Pharisees were looking for reasons to catch him and accuse him of something. Because, again, that goes back to he was a, he was a blasphemer. And one time he opened up the Bible and said, he read and he said, this has been fulfilled. Whoa, you cannot say that. Who gives you the right to say that? They were trying to catch him in something so that they could eventually crucify him. Any other reasons? What are we doing after church today? We're going to eat food. Thank you, Abby. We're going to eat food. Some people followed Jesus because they were hungry. <laughs> Do you remember when Jesus, one of Jesus' first, excuse me, Jesus' first miracle, changing the water into wine. Big crowded wedding. What, what, what can we get out of him? Well, I'm feeling kind of hungry. You know, uh, this reminds me, one time um, there was, my parents were going to a wedding in Sioux Falls, and they said, Ryan, are you coming to this wedding? And I said, do I have to? And they said, no, we don't, we don't really care. It's up to you. I said, okay, well, I am feeling kind of hungry. You know, what, uh, what food is there? And my parents were like, I don't know. So I got dressed and I went to the wedding, not because I really cared about the bride and groom, but because, seriously, because I was hungry. And I might have been 14 or 15 years old. I was like, hey, feed me, and then I'm going to leave. It's what I'm here for. I went to a wedding just for food. People follow Jesus just for food, just to see what they could get out of him. Uh, let me continue. Some follow Jesus to be entertained. I wrote that one down. To be entertained. What miracle would he do next? What party trick? Some might have thought that Jesus was a great um, magician. (laughs) What would he do next? Oh, it's crazy. He healed this person. Oh, it was nuts. What next? You know, who, who, what's he going to do next? And, And wow, he made someone rise again from the dead. Lazarus. That's crazy. I mean, what, what other things can he do? Can he move that mountain and can he levitate and whatever, whatever you want to say. People follow Jesus for many different reasons. Uh, Sorry, let me get back to where I was. 
Just remember this. All right, we'll finish. Just remember this. The majority of the time when we read about Jesus and his ministry, there was a multitude or a crowd that was involved. Number two, Jesus wanted to be around people, though, too. People wanted to be around Jesus. Many reasons. Some of them were real reasons, legit reasons. Calling him the Messiah. I just don't want to pick out all of the ones that were the wrong reasons. But secondly, Jesus also wanted to be around people too. Jesus was never annoyed with people. Jesus never told people to go away or go home. And he, rem- whoo, he reprimanded his disciples that did so. More than one time, his disciples said, Jesus, we're out of food. We need to disperse. We need to let these people go. And then a boy with a lunch said, I've got some fish and I've got some bread. And Jesus said, that'll do. Got it. That'll do. And then he fed 5,000 people. By the way, that's 5,000 men that did not include women and children. Big crowd. So, Jesus was never annoyed with people. Many of us here today might love people between hours of the day. (laughs) Only between certain hours of the day do I love people. Now, I, I myself, I am an outgoing person. I can talk to strangers and not have a problem. But there are many people who, who are included with me who love a sweet, quiet time on the couch. Just waiting for some of the parents. Be like, yeah, amen. Love a sweet, quiet time reading a book. Maybe in the bathtub or whatever, whatever you want to do. I love, uh, those are just me time. You know, whenever you think of me time, you're normally alone. <laughs> but, Jesus loved people. Jesus was not this kind of a person. Jesus loved crowds because He loves people. Have you ever noticed that Jesus never called for a crowd? He never told His disciples, go gather up some people, I'll meet you over there. No. People wanted to be around Jesus. And secondly, Jesus wanted to be around people because He loves people. So let's, let's go back to Mark 2.13. Mark 2.13. Let's read that again. Mark 2.13 and 14. And He went forth again. He was walking. Jesus was walking on the seaside. And the multitude restored unto Him. Multitude, a lot of people. And He taught them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the receipt of custom. And he said unto him, follow me. He arose and followed him. In the context of Mark 2.13, it sounds random and it sounds weird that Jesus chooses a random guy in the crowd and says, hey you, follow me. But, every commentator would say that this was not Levi's first encounter with Jesus. Every wise Bible scholar would agree that sorry, every wise Bible scholar would agree that Levi has already seen Jesus teach. He's already seen miracles be done. And Levi was already a part of the crowd. He was in the crowd that would see and would gather around Jesus. 
So when the Bible says multitude, crowd, people, Levi was one of those faces, one of those people. Jesus, where he did a lot of teaching, was in the city of Capernaum. You go to a map, please. And guess where Levi's IRS booth was. We can call it that. Tax booth, Roman booth, IRS booth. Guess where this was? Right outside that same city. Do you notice the Sea of Galilee? Because we know a few, we know a few stories from the Sea of Galilee. We know a few things that happened in the Sea of Galilee. Do you know where that was? Right next to Capernaum. So the news of Jesus, the following of Jesus was always, you know, word of mouth was everything. So people said, I can't believe it. Did you hear what happened? There was this man named Jesus, and he did this and that and the other. I'm shocked. And it was the word of the town in Capernaum. So I want to read. uh, Can you stay on the map, please? Stay on the map. Matthew 4.13. This is Jesus. And leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt. Dwelt, lived, abided in Capernaum, which is upon the seacoast in the borders of Zebulon and Nephtalim. So Matthew 4.13, Jesus left Nazareth. He came and dwelt. He didn't only visit. He dwelt in Capernaum. Matthew 9.1. And he entered into a ship and passed over, and he came into his own city. Now, I know that didn't say the word Capernaum, but that is exactly what that Bible verse is saying. When, when it says he came into his own city, he entered into a ship. So that makes sense. Sea of Galilee's there. Entered into a ship and he came up into his own city. It was speaking of Capernaum. So Levi might hear word, Jesus is in town. Jesus is teaching over here. Giving a sermon on a mount. Anybody catch that? Do you notice in the map that just north of Capernaum is some mountains? And the, what is the likelihood that Levi would have been in attendance at that sermon? I'd say very likely. Very likely. I mean, no attendance record was given, but let me say again, very likely. I have another example. Mark 2.12 Go ahead, Atrey, you mark 2.12. And again, this is Jesus, and again, he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noise that he was in the house. And straightway, many were gathered. All right, so where was he? He was in Capernaum. And straightway, many were gathered. Crowd, people, a lot of people were gathered together. Is so much, there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. He said the the people were coming out the doors. How many people were there? And they came unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, and which was born of four. And when when they could not come nigh, Unto him for the press, for the amount of people, they uncovered the roof and where he was, and they had broken it up. They broke the roof open, and they let down the bed where the sick of the palsy lay. 
So very, very quickly, where are we? Capernaum. Who's there? A crowd. A lot of people. This is the story when Jesus was teaching in a man's house, a person's house. They break out, they, these four men break open a roof and literally lower their friend down. I imagine it that he like lowered down into Jesus' lap. You know, it was something like this. Lowered his friend down and said, would you heal me? Where are we? Capernaum. Who's there? A big crowd. What's the chances that Levi was in attendance? Great, great chances. Big chances. For sure. There's, when Levi encounters Jesus, and Jesus says, follow me, he knows who this is. Because he's been in the crowd before, Levi has gone and been a part of the crowd, listened to the message, and gone home. Levi has gone, been a part of the crowd, and witnessed miracles, and gone home. Levi knew what it was to be in the crowd. He encountered Jesus in the flesh. And he went back home to life as normal. This is subtle, but we can get so comfortable in our faith and comfortable in settling for following Jesus, but only at a distance. Never stepping out and stepping into the life and the relationship that Jesus has for us. The calling of Levi was not his first encounter with Jesus. He would go to Jesus. He might, he might would go to church. Man, that's great grammar. He might would go to church is what I just said. He might go to church. Levi might. Again, he was in, he was in attendance of many things. I, can't, I mean, I can't give you a promise, but it certainly makes sense that he was. Because it certainly makes sense that it doesn't make sense that Jesus says, hey, you random person, follow me. And then this random person stands up and follows him. It would make a lot more sense if Levi was thinking, I know who that is. I've seen what Jesus has done. Seen the miracles. You know, this question really struck my heart. How often am I Levi? Being around the things of God... I was even in attendance of church. I was there. I attended, but I didn't participate in, in involving in myself. You see, Jesus loves crowds because He loves people. But crowds can be deceptive because it can make you feel like you are a part of something when you are only witnessing it. Crowds can be deceptive because it makes you feel like when you're participating, when you're only watching others participate. You know, my favorite sport, spectator sport by far is college football. I love, I love college football. Hey, uh, Brother Chad, Boomer Sooner. I know Brother Chad likes, likes Oklahoma. Christian, Oklahoma. Anyone else? Iowa? Where's Ronnie? Iowa. Nebraska? Anyone? <laughs> they don't. All of them are like, <laughs> you know, one in three or something like that. One in three. Yeah. Whatever their record. Whatever their record is. Nebraska. I I love college football. 
And man, it is my favorite sport to watch, favorite sport to spectate. Um, I am not a Texas A&M fan, but I'm going to talk about Texas A&M very quickly. There's a tradition at the school of Texas A&M entitled the 12th man. There we go. Entitled the 12th man. If you know football, Connor's not here, Denver. If you know football, how many players are there on offense? 11. How many players are there on defense? 11. Okay. So, home of the 12th man. All this means is that the Texas A&M, the 12th man, is the crowd. Uh, you are a part of the crowd. You are a part of cheering as loud as you can for your team. Now, the crowd makes up, this is insane to me, the crowd makes up 110,633 people. <laughs> My goodness, that is a crowd. Now, to put into perspective, to help us people think, the city of Sioux Falls, 196,000. Kyle Field, where Texas A&M plays, 110. It surpasses Sioux City by 30,000 people and Rapid City by more. That's a lot. So what I did, what I did was uh, I, I, just, I just Googled um, cities in South Dakota uh, by population. If you put Kyle Field in South Dakota and had game day, it would be the second largest city in the state when they play football. So, if you, uh, sorry, they have shirts that say, I am the 12th man. They have jerseys that they sell, and the jersey is number 12. The point is that the crowd is cheering and screaming and watching the game in order to try and help the football team win. And man, uh, I've, seen, uh, I've, I've seen Texas A&M play, and sometimes the announcers have trouble speaking with the sound of the crowd that is, that is roaring in that stadium. You know, uh, when Texas A&M is on defense, the offense gets together and they choose a play and they're in the huddle, there have been teams that cannot hear each other talk from two feet away, three feet away, because of the roar of the crowd that's happening at Kyle Stadium, Kyle Field. When Texas A&M wins a conference title, you know what? They don't give a trophy to the crowd. They don't give a participation award. They, the crowd really gets nothing. And, and, you know, if, if for some reason Texas A&M were so happened to win a, a national championship, again, the crowd doesn't get a trophy. They don't get a ring. And the crowd is not entered into the NFL draft. It's just the crowd. Because the crowd was a spectator, not a participator. You observed but you didn't participate in the game yourself. Jesus, he had an intentional encounter with Levi because we have, an, we have a tendency to sit back and watch. I will cheer in church when I'm supposed to. I might, maybe might sing. But when it comes to participating, <laughs> you need to ask someone else. 
need a, uh, well, well, now you're asking just a little too much. We might, how many times have we attended church and gone home? And nothing, nothing's changed. Great message today, Pastor. He preached on John 3.16. God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That is great. You know, somebody needs to come to my uncle and tell them that. Somebody, man, my, my neighbor... My neighbor just lost their dad. And somebody needs to come to my neighbor and say, God so loves you, He gave His Son for you. And the Holy Spirit says, Hello. Hello, church member. Hello. You know, go ahead. You're the one. Hey, hey. Your neighbor is going through a hard problem. Man, do they need to hear that Jesus loves them and gave His Son for them. Whoa, whoa, now that's too much. You know, I'm, I'm really good at participating. Uh, excuse me. I'm really good at spectating. I'm really good at sitting there in church. I'm re- <laughs> I have a spot. I have a parking spot. You know, I shook hands with people. I, I gave Miss Jean a hug. I was there. But, but there's a line that's crossed when Jesus says, that's great. Now why don't you come and follow me? Why don't you come and have a real relationship with me? Not just watching other people in church. Because man, I, I myself have been like, I wish I had the walk of God that that person has. When I hear them pray, Man, the heavens open. Well, why can't I do that? Well, well, I mean, I'm I'm just going to sit here and watch. I'm really good at cheering. But when it comes to being a player on the field, well, well, that's something else. Did I turn my mic on? Okay, thank you. I didn't I didn't notice. You know, Jesus, he never asked for a crowd. He never asked people, a large amount of people to follow Him. And Atreyu literally nearly said this in Sunday school. And I was like, please don't say it. You know, please don't steal my message. uh, Excuse me, Jesus asked for followers. He doesn't ask for crowds. Jesus asked for real followers. Real discipleship. Real followers. Not just a crowd. Not just observers. And not witnesses. Jesus never turns away a crowd, but He never asks for one. Jesus extends an invitation to those who are here today. I know you've lived in the crowd, but why don't you take a step of faith and start following Me? Jesus didn't ask for crowds. He asked for followers. So, you know, when I preach, sometimes I like to um, think of like, what if I'm in attendance, what am I thinking? If I'm in attendance, what am I thinking? And uh, I wrote this question, why is Jesus concerned with you following 
him up close and not from a distance. In other words, why does proximity matter? Why does distance matter? Why does proximity matter? You know, you can live life without experiencing life. Maybe time passes by and you look back and say, clearly I've lived, but where is the life? Where, where is the joy? Where is the fulfillment? Where, why do, when I look back, I'm like, I, I know I've lived. I'm older by another year. I mean, it was my birthday two weeks ago. I'm older by another year. But wh- what is the life that, wh- what's the purpose, the life that I've actually done? You know, Jesus knows the life that you are looking for. Jesus knew Matthew. I mean, obvious, uh, excuse me, Levi. Jesus knows Levi. He obviously knew everything about him. Jesus knows Levi. But he says to Levi, and he says to us, I know you've lived life in the crowd. Why don't you take a step of faith and start following me? Here's the thing. The purpose of your life and joy and, and where you find I, I, maybe the word success in your life, I'm not speaking just financial. Maybe the place where you find success in your life is not just observing Jesus, but it really is following him. So why did Jesus call out Levi? Why did he call out Levi? Because he knew he was standing in the crowd. He knew who he was in character and in everything. He knew Levi was looking for more to life than he was the life that he was living. He's looking for more. You know, Jesus will come to us and extend his invitation to follow him. Jesus' invitation says, whosoever, anyone at all. Now, did you notice something? Let me, let me preach on this a minute. It was not what Levi did to have, to have Jesus say, hey, come follow me. It is not Levi's um, social, where he is on the social ladder. I'm trying to think of the right word. It's not his status. It's not the amount of money that Levi had. And as a tax collector, we think that he had a lot. It wasn't, it wasn't Levi's skin color that made Jesus say, hey, why don't you follow me? No. Hey, I, I, I just want to praise the Lord just for a minute in church and say that Jesus calls everyone, all followers. And we can look back in our life and think, you know what I've done? You know what I've said? You know, that other person would be a great follower of Jesus. I'm good at being in the crowd. I'm really good at cheering, like pretty much a pro. But when it comes to really following you, Jesus, I think my neighbor, my friend, the person down on the other side of the pew, they would do a better job at that. But man, the extension of the invitation is to every single person today. From young to old, you know, whatever... Uh, teaching that they're having in, in, sorry, in junior church today, it has something to do with following Jesus. From every young person to every person that is less young, 
we all have the same, the same invitation. Are you going to just watch? Be a spectator? Or are you really going to follow? Follow Christ. You know, all Levi, this is in conclusion, all Levi has ever known was Jesus from a distance. Jesus at arm's length. Levi lost everything. They already hated tax collectors. When, when Levi stood up and said, all right, I will follow you, the, the amount of loss in that one decision was great. It was a great loss. So, the, just very quickly, the Jews, the Jews hated tax collectors because they hated the Romans. You know, remember that they really wanted Jesus, the Messiah, to come and to kick the Romans' tail so that, you know, we can be in charge and, and, and we're the ones that are going to take over. That's why the Messiah comes. And that's why today that there are possibly millions of Jews that do not see Jesus as their Messiah because he didn't come in the way that they were expecting him to come. Remember... Uh, there was a message titled um, uh, Expectation versus Reality. The two were way off. The two were way off. And so if Levi would stand up and follow Jesus, he was already, Levi was already hated by his own people because he was a tax collector. Secondly, he just quit his job. Who did he work for? The Romans. So now the Romans hate him. You're going to quit your job? No two weeks notice? You're garbage. You're dead to me. Fine. He was already... He, when he stood up and followed Jesus, he dropped so much. I'm sure he dropped his income. I, I, excuse me. I know he dropped his income. He was done tax collecting. He was following Jesus. Can I... But I, I, again, I thought of this. I, I like to put myself in the story. Levi might say, Jesus, can I, can I just follow you from the stands? Can I clap when something great happens? Can I lift my hands and praise you? And go home. I just want to go home. Like everything's normal. Jesus would say, yes. Yes, you can. But I have a better life for you. I have more plans for you on the other side of yes. And you have no idea what is in store and what I have for you. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9. But as it is written, I have not seen, nor ear hath heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love Him. You have no idea the things I have prepared for you that love me. As Jesus says, you have no idea. Follow me. If Levi would say no, he would be known as Levi the tax collector. That's who he is. Levi the tax collector. But Levi said yes. Today, Levi is known as Matthew the disciple. I want you to notice, maybe I don't have to say it, but I tried not to say his name, his real name. I tried to only say the name Levi. 
Because later on, Levi is Matthew. You know what Matthew did? Guys, you know what Matthew did? What's the first book of the New Testament? Matthew. He would not, Matthew, Levi, <coughs> would not just observe the things of Jesus. He would literally write them down. He would not just be any face in the crowd. He became not Levi, Matthew, the disciple, the follower, the real follower of Jesus. Math, uh, he became Matthew, the disciple. He would write firsthand accounts of the life of Jesus, not just what he had heard about, not just what he observed or spectated in, but what Matthew participated in. Matthew was in the room when Jesus had died, and Mary comes through the door and says, He's alive. I can't believe it. He's alive. And Jesus comes through the door and says, Thomas, put your, put, put your hands in, in, the, in my hand, in the scars. Put your, put your hand, thrust your hand into my side and, and in my feet. I'm alive. You know that Matthew, Levi, was in attendance? Secondly, not only that, uh, Levi, Matthew, was in attendance uh, at the day of Pentecost. If you know anything about that day, it's only a little bit of a big deal. It's a big deal. And Matthew was in attendance. You know, uh, Levi would have heard, I heard that Jesus rose again. I heard that he appeared to his disciples. I heard that Matthew knew because he was there. He was a follower. Matthew was, became an evangelist and a missionary to the areas of Italy and Ethiopia. All because he said yes to this one invitation. Finally, what does God have for you if you just step out of the crowd? If you say yes to the invitation of following Him, look, your life, it will never be the same. Following Jesus, I, I, I have to say this, following Jesus is a relationship. It is not a formula. It is not a ten-step plan. It is a daily choice. Because I thought to myself, all right, what am I, you know, how am I really going to end this sermon? Put it up with a bow tie. Well, Follow me. Follow Jesus. Okay, okay, but, you know, give me some detail here. Give me. Follow Jesus. Follow Him in whatever He wants in, in your life. And it is time, everyone. It is time. And, and, and I am preaching to myself. I wonder, you know, I, I can think about this sentence and really be distraught. And, uh, and extremely sad. How many sermons have I attended where I was, I was, just, I was just spectating and I, I did not take that sermon home and really, and really let it indwell into my life and in my heart. I just, you know. It's what we do in church. We sit and we listen. But this week, this week, let's be participating I want to be participating in the words of what Jesus has said. All of us, you know, many, many, many of us already know those words. 
We already know what we're supposed to do. You already know how you're supposed to act. You already know what your parents expect. You already know a lot. But it's time that we take this knowledge, this knowledge of the Bible, this knowledge of Jesus, and actually put it into our hearts, put it into our lives, and start applying and participating. Because we can sit in church for years. Years and years and years and years, as much as you want. And only be a spectator. I just, I just, the Holy Spirit today, I wish He would speak to our hearts and say, I'm going to be a participator this week. I'm going to participate. I'm going to do what God has told me to do. I already know. Jesus extends the invitation that He extended to Matthew. And would you take a step of faith? I want you to step out of the sidelines, onto the field, and follow Him. Would you be a real follower of Jesus this week? Not just one that watches. Watches other people follow. Let's pray together. Lord, I I love you so much. Thank you for speaking to me for this message. I thank you, Lord, for um, the subtle thought that Levi was, was already witnessing. He was already watching Jesus. He just never applied. And Lord, there is a day that you called him out and he became Matthew the disciple. I want to thank you, Lord, that this is a lesson for me. I can watch you, but Lord, I'm also, I am also have the invitation to participate in. And God, would you bless this invitation? Would you bless this sacred time of making a decision to be a real follower of you? In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand?